So we cannot allow ourselves to be guided by this bad leadership that is surrounding all of us. They will be held accountable before the Lord for their wrongful actions. But we also have to bear in mind that we will all be held accountable and that is because we all have access to the Word of God. We all need to verify what we're being told and not to be so ready to accept things that sound pleasing and attractive to our flesh's desire. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be talking about the issues with bad leadership. We know that no one is perfect, but there is a difference between imperfection and evil intentions, especially when it comes to spiritual leadership. God will judge evil leadership. Therefore, we need to be careful to who we listen to and what we take as truth. The only real truth is God's Word, and we must check everything through the entirety of the Scriptures, not just by certain parts, and certainly not go along with what agrees with our carnality, because in the end, we will all be judged by God's standard. Today's message is inspired on Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 23 to 31. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, blessed be your name. Hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, O Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Blessed are you, O Lord God, forever and ever. For you are good, for you are merciful, and for your grace endures, O Lord, always. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks, O Lord, because we can trust in you. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because you are merciful upon us. I pray, O Lord, for the forgiveness of our sins. Please, O Lord God, do not let our sins fall upon us, but please forgive us, O Lord. Help us to be sensitive to you, Lord God. Help us, O Lord, to be able to listen to those people that speak the truth and to stay away from those that only have evil intentions. Help us to understand what is your truth, what is your true will, Lord God, and to stay away from that which only brings us eternal harm. To you be all the honor and the glory forever and ever, for you alone are worthy to be praised. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is in Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 23 to 31. This is the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured people. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths so that I am profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey, to shed blood, to destroy people, and to get this honest gain. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God when the Lord had not spoken. The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So I sought for a man among them, who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Therefore I have poured out my indignation on them, I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. 
In this passage, we read that the Lord had great displeasure with Israel and especially with its leaders. This passage spoke about a time when there was much evil in the country and that it had been going on for a very long time, for many years. And it got to the point that the Lord had enough of what was going on. It talks about bad prophets taking advantage of people, about preaching of things that were false, lying about revelations. It talks about priests that had violated all of the holy things of God. It talks about their princes that were like wolves harming people, even unjustly killing some, destroying lives. And for what? For money. And it also talks about people oppressing others, committing robbery, hurting the innocent and the needy. And the Lord went on to say that he was looking for someone to stand in the gap between him and Israel for leadership that would do what is right before the Lord and intercede before the Lord so that his wrath would not come upon the land. But he found no one. It was a terrible time in Israel. And this is why God had allowed for Israel's enemies to come upon them. And they were utterly destroyed, killed most of the people and took part of what remained as slaves while leaving a select few to harvest the land for the invading kingdom. God's judgment came upon the people of Israel just like he had warned them for many years by sending good prophets to speak to them in times past to help them consider their evil ways before the Lord and to repent. The Lord is good and full of mercy, but just because the word also says that he is slow to anger does not mean that his anger will never come if people continue to persist in their evil. We see God's displeasure in another passage in the same book where he sent a message to the shepherds of Israel, to the spiritual leadership at the time. In Ezekiel 34, it says, And the word of God came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings and you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. The Lord had a major problem with those leaders that were evil, with those that took advantage of others. And rather than doing their job, fulfilling their responsibility, they did whatever it took to feed themselves. And they didn't care if they were cruel, hurtful, and even became murderers, all for their own personal gain, for their own benefit. This happened before, and unfortunately, it is happening again today. All of those people that have raised themselves up as supposed servants of God for personal gain, as preachers and teachers of the word, as shepherds of the flock, 
will be judged for their wrongful actions, for their lies, for their robberies and fraud, for their evil and cruelty, ultimately for their sinful ways. Now, some of you might be wondering, I know that there are people that take advantage of others, but saying that they're murdering is a bit extreme. And to answer that, we need to look at things from God's point of view. The worst thing that any person can do to another before the eyes of the Lord is to preach and teach things that don't align with God's true gospel for salvation. That is the worst harm anyone can do. Why? Because it will cause eternal harm. Being separated from God for all eternity is the biggest problem any person could ever have. It's the worst thing that can happen to anyone. There are many people that preach and teach incompletely the gospel of Jesus Christ or things that seem like the truth but are far away from being true. The gospel of Jesus Christ and or the way to salvation is a very precise thing. There are things that must be done and they must be done genuinely with all of our hearts if we want to attain God's eternal life and reward. The first error that is quite commonly taught is that most spiritual leaders teach that all you have to do is believe in God or believe in Jesus Christ to be saved and nothing else. And the issue with that is that this is only part of the message. Faith is a requirement for salvation, but it cannot be something that is vague or general. The Word of God says that we must believe and confess the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord. For it says in Romans chapter 10, but what does it say? The Word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you see, Jesus must be acknowledged and accepted as the Lord of our lives. He can't just be our Savior or our friend or anything else for salvation. He is our Savior and best friend and many other things. But for salvation and ongoing faith, He must be Lord. Why? because he needs to own us for starters. We need to belong to him without any kind of reservations or limitations. He is the one that must direct our lives through the Holy Spirit. When we come to Christ, we are no longer in charge of our lives. We must voluntarily surrender our will to his will. You see, we are not born children of God. Because of the sin that still dwells within our members, we are not automatically born into God's kingdom. We need to hand our lives over to him out of our own free will, so that we can effectively and literally belong to him. For it also says this in the Gospel of John, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. And so in order to belong to God, we must receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we become his children. But there is something else that needs to happen even before asking the Lord Jesus Christ to be our Lord, which is one of the main things that people just don't preach about today. Before surrendering our lives to the Lord, there must be complete repentance and conversion from all sins. Why is this important? A person cannot have the Lord of the universe come into a dirty heart. Our lives are filthy and unfit for the Lord's coming if there is no repentance and conversion. And it must be something complete. It must be 100% repentance and conversion. We need to ask for his forgiveness for all sins. It can't be that we repent from some sins, but not from others. We must repent and turn away from all sins. We must ultimately die to sin so that we can be resurrected into life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ.
This was the whole purpose and point of John the Baptist's ministry, to prepare the way for the Lord. The only way that we can become prepared for the Lord's arrival in our hearts is through complete repentance and conversion. This is what Jesus himself preached when he started his documented public ministry, as it is written. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In the book of Acts, we also see this clear indication of repentance and conversion, where it says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So you see, repentance and conversion are the conditions that must be met so our sins can be forgiven. But how can a person even come to salvation if they disagree with what is sin, if they only are taught to accept certain things as sin and other things as being acceptable and not wrong? How can people come to understand what is truly wrong or right if the standard is subjective? They can't because they are not turning away from everything God says that is sin. There is a picking and choosing of what is right and wrong, but that is not possible with the Lord. And so there is an incomplete repentance and conversion that is being taught. Why? Because false teachers and preachers want to please the masses so that they don't run the risk of people running away from them when they are told they are doing wrong. They want to be pleasing and accepting, or at least that's how they want to be perceived. This is why hardly anyone preaches or teaches about repentance and conversion from sins. But without this, no one can be saved. No one can be forgiven. No one can have eternal life. This is what the word of God teaches. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And so for salvation, a person must die to self, to their sinful ways. They must turn away from all of their sins and not just some of them. There can be no justification of any sins before a holy God, especially when coming to Christ for salvation. In the first epistle of John, we read the following. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So you see, it is a big problem when we don't acknowledge sin as sin. If we confess our sins, then we can have God's forgiveness and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if a person doesn't confess and or acknowledge what is wrong before the Lord, and turn away from it, then they are making a liar out of God. And we know that God does not lie. He is all truth. And of course, how do you think God will take it if you tell him he is a liar? That is not going to end well. Now, what is another thing that bad leaders talk about? They talk about our relationship with the Lord as a free-for-all, that we can do whatever we want and that we will be saved no matter what. What bad is in preaching and teaching that you can sin and all you want and still go to heaven? I can see the attraction, especially to people that don't want to change their lifestyle before the Lord. But just because a person chooses to believe something does not make it true or real. 
For instance, no matter how much a person believes they can fly on their own, if they jump off a building without something to help them fly, they're going to see gravity in all of its reality, especially when they hit the surface. Faith is not about believing what you want and somehow that makes it real or come true. True faith in God is believing in Him and doing everything He tells you to do through His Word, even though you can't see Him or what He has promised to us that is coming in the near future. The Bible is very clear in that our sins, our mistakes, our errors can be forgiven through His grace, but not the blatant practice of sin. There is a big difference and God cannot be fooled. This is what the Word of God says in Romans chapter 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. In Galatians chapter 5, it says also, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I told you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's quite clear that we cannot live a sinful lifestyle. Yet, this is not what many teach. Most people teach and preach about eternal security and that you can do whatever you want and that one way or another, you're going to heaven if you just believe. But that is not what the Word of God teaches. In order for a doctrine to be taken as truth, as sound, it must agree with the entirety of the scriptures and not just bits and pieces. And this is where the final judgment comes in, which is something else that many bad leaders do not preach about. They preach and teach that if a person has accepted Christ, that they are no longer liable for any kind of judgment. And that is not what the Word of God teaches. Every single person will be judged, including believers for their actions. The Word of God says it everywhere. In the book of Ecclesiastes, for instance, it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. In Hebrews chapter 10, it also says the following, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he is sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good 
or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And in the book of Revelation, it also says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And this leads us then to our final point and to deter another of the greatest fallacies that we don't have to worry about works once we come to Christ. That is far from the truth. Many preach that once we come to Christ, that we have nothing else to do, and that since we are not saved by works, that our salvation does not depend on works either. According to the word of God, we need to yield fruit. The word of God needs to render a product in our lives as a sign and or witness of our conversion to the Lord. And this isn't a matter of opinion. For it is written, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, some may argue that the fruit that the Lord is talking about is the fruit of the Spirit, which is indeed the case. For it is written, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so every single characteristic involved with the fruit of the Spirit is shown and or revealed through action, good works, doing the Father's will, starting with love. Love is not only felt, it can only be revealed through actions. And just like we read, we are to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, which means that these things must be seen through the works we produce that God will take note of. God cares about what we do whether we have good works or not, whether we did his will or not. True faith must yield good works. For it says in James chapter two, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So can it be any clearer? Good works are a requirement. We are to do something with our salvation. We need to produce good works for the Lord. We need to obey the Lord. We need to do the Father's will because if we don't do His will, we will simply not be allowed to enter His kingdom. For the Lord Jesus Christ Himself said this, Not everyone who says to me, 
Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, the extent of the Father's will is doing good works with the right intention in our hearts. It's not just about doing the works alone. We need to do things because we love Him, thereby fulfilling the greatest commandments. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So we cannot allow ourselves to be guided by this bad leadership that is surrounding all of us. It is everywhere, I'm afraid. And they will be held accountable before the Lord for their wrongful actions. But we also have to bear in mind that we will all be held accountable and that is because we all have access to the Word of God. We all need to verify what we're being told and not to be so ready to accept things that sound pleasing and attractive to our flesh's desire because it does sound nice and easy to just believe in God and that you have nothing else to worry about. It sounds alluring to hear that we don't even have to repent and convert from our sins and that God just accepts us as we are. It's very appealing to tell people that they don't have to acknowledge their sin and turn away from it. It sounds quite attractive to our flesh to be told that we can do whatever we want and still go to heaven. It is very pleasing to think that there is no judgment and that we will not be held accountable for our actions. And so question what you listen to and or read and compare it to the entirety of the word of God. God will guide you through his Holy Spirit if you earnestly are seeking the right answers. The truth is never easy, but the truth is the truth. And God's truth is the only truth that will set you free for all eternity. So look for it and cling on to it because your eternal destination depends on the Lord's truth. There are bad spiritual leaders everywhere and they will be brought to God's justice in the end. They will give an account for their wrong actions if they don't repent But meanwhile, we as followers of Jesus Christ must filter through what we are exposed to, what different people are teaching to see if in fact it is God's will for our lives or not. We can't be so ready to accept whatever people tell us. And the only way to being able to get what we need is by having a true, genuine, and personal relationship with the Lord and taking that relationship seriously day after day not just reading the Word of God, but studying it daily, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us, to minister to us. We need to value what Christ did on the cross for us. We need to repent and convert always, continually changing as the Holy Spirit prompts us to do. I know that the truth is not easy. It never really is easy to be confronted with certain realities, especially with our own wrongs and weaknesses. But God's truth is the only truth that will set us free forever, setting us free from eternal punishment and separation from God. If we adhere to the lies that are out there, we're only hurting ourselves. That's why even if it's tough to take the truth, to be ready to accept it and to let it deal with our lives. In the end, 
The only people that look for God's truth and let it deal with their lives are the ones that are wise for salvation. Proverbs chapter 9 says, Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. If we are wise, if we are concerned over where we will spend eternity, if God will allow us to enter his kingdom, then look for his truth through the word of God. Don't stay in places and listen to people that only want to take advantage of you. For it also says, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourselves. So for your own good, stay away from bad leaders that teach you half-truths or false doctrines and cling on to the Lord, to His Holy Spirit, to His Word, and to those leaders that still do fear the Lord and teach you to respect the Lord Jesus Christ and all of His truth. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, blessed are you, O Lord. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because you have given us your word, your truth, the knowledge that we need, Heavenly Father, so that we could be able to have eternal life and eternal reward. Thank you, O Lord God, also because you have given us the Holy Spirit. We don't need to discern things on our own. We don't need to be left to our own devices. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because we can trust in your Spirit to guide us. Help us, O Lord, to cling on to your word as a truth. Help us, O Lord, to look and search for that relationship we need with your Holy Spirit, that we might be able to be led by him. Heavenly Father, I pray that you help us, O Lord, to stay away from those evil people that only have bad intentions, that they use the gospel and the truth for their own devices, for their own gain, Lord God. Heavenly Father, help us to be faithful to you despite all of those things. I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.